Hello, my lovelies. TGIF. I cannot believe it's Friday, January 6, 2023. And as we know, on Tuesday, the 10th of January, Harry's book called Spare comes out on the bookshelves. And you can buy it on Amazon. You can listen to Harry's handsome voice um, from the audio. And uh, you can buy the Kindle version. But as all, as we all know by now in the media has already received a copy of the book, mysteriously received it, which in reality, you know how it works, right? PR sent it to the media. That's how it was leaked. And it's not very positive uh, reviews, actually, from the media. I think because they're tired of the whining Harry. It's not so much Megan, it's Harry. And a lot of the books so far, and I'm going to read it, and I will give my criticism on Tuesday, more likely the, the 11th on Wednesday, because it's going to be a long book to read, um, but so far from what I've saw in the media and heard in the media and read in the media, that the book is really only a small portion is Harry's voice. The rest is from the ghostwriter. And in my opinion about the ghostwriter so far is this. If you're being paid a lot of money to write a book, do your research. The ghostwriter so far has, and I've already, just from what I read in the media, apparently did not do research on history, such as, as Edward VIII situation. I will talk about that in a second. Um, very inaccurate. It's almost like, so far, the uh, even with the late Princess Diana and some other things that the media has uh, put into the news from the book. And it's almost like the ghostwriter just went to google.com and just looked up random facts instead of looking at documents from the time period that Harry wanted to you know, talk more about. You know, writing book is not hard but it can be hard at the same time so when you write you know you write your main points i've always liked that back in my school days i never understood you know writing a 30 page paper well i can get the main points done in a page it took me up to until now i'm 43 really about five years ago seven years ago when i became an author that writing the main points is part of the book it's the details expanding and the details come from the ghostwriter not harry because Harry does not know his own family history, apparently, the way it's been written into the uh, to the book. So let's talk about Edward VIII, why it's so important. So we know that um, Edward VIII was, uh, you know, he, he, he was a king of England in 1936, but he abdicated the throne also in 1936 to marry Wallace Simpson, an American divorcee something the Church of England at the time forbade, sort of. And I'm going to talk about sort of in a minute. And then he says, after making amends with Queen Elizabeth II, she allowed the Duke of Windsor to be buried at Frogmore in the royal burial ground. And see, this is what, and of course, Crown uh, Season 3 did talk about that. Apparently it was shown. I have not watched The Crown. I have no interest in it because it's, there's so much fiction in it. There's not so much, there's a small uh, fragment of truth. And someone who loves history, like myself, it just, it irritates me. A script writer doesn't do enough research. So let's talk about that. So Harry's complaining about Frogmore, you know, oh, well, Edward was buried there, but he was loved. And this, look, Queen Elizabeth II, may she rest in peace, actually had a close relationship with her uncle. You know, he wasn't exiled. He could go back to England whenever he wanted to. And you could go to YouTube, watch the interviews with Edward VIII in the 1960s and up until his death. And he talks about 
you know, uh, the reason why he abdicated the throne. It wasn't just for Wallace Simpson. It was there was political reasons about it. And, and part of it was at the time, the prime minister, Baldwin, um, really did not like Edward. Why? Well, because Parliament at the time was all about the rich people. They did not give a rat's ass about the poor or the slums, as it was called back then. And Edward VIII, when he was Prince of Wales, especially after World War I, traveled the world. He went to America. He went to Africa. He went to um, India and, of course, across England. And because of that, and he talks about one of the interviews, that he wanted a, he hired an architect and they came to the palace he was staying at and trying to get, you know, a private sector to uh, to get money, like a charity, basically, to get money so he can eradicate or reduce slums. And the prime minister did not like that because, heaven forbid, you're actually doing what you're not supposed to do. And that's because royalty is not supposed to dab in politics. Edward VIII would have been an amazing king, I'll be honest. Um, Charles, King Charles III, is very much like his uncle, uh, great-uncle uh, Edward, or Uncle Dickie, as they called him. Um, his great-uncle, sorry, it's, uh, Queen Elizabeth's uncle. And so if you listen to the interviews, it's it's fascinating. And one thing I have will say, Edward VIII, when he was Duke of Windsor, he never once complained the way Harry has. Remember, I'm not talking about Meghan. Meghan's got a strong voice, but this is not about Meghan Markle. This is about Harry. Yes, we know Harry's felt like a spare. We know he's felt this way. I know we know know he's angry. We all get angry. But how you deal with it. And older generations have taught us you deal with it by talking about it, but not airing your dirty laundry out to public. And unfortunately, social media has made it where you can be airing out your dirty laundry in public. And so because of that, you see TikTok, people airing out, oh my God, a bad day, or this happened, I've been through this and that. And so Harry was smart and took advantage of doing that because you didn't, well, families really didn't go on to social media. And they still don't. So you'll see, in fact, if you see Kensington Palace on um, uh, Twitter or Instagram, and you see that, you know, William, Prince of William, who's not Prince of Wales, tweeting, majority of the tweets are not from him. I want you all to know that. That's from his private secretary, whoever it is. I mean, William probably has occasionally gone on to that, but most of the time it's not him at all uh, texting or tweeting. I'm just saying you know that. So... This has been a frustration, but talking about, um, you know, uh, Frogmore, why is so important? Well, because uh, it's a, um, it's Frogmore was something that Edward VIII loved. It was that was what he had known about, and, and let's talk about Frogmore. The name Frogmore most, might most be associated with a cottage where the Duke and Duchess of Sussex used to live, but on the other side of the Frogmore estate, you'll find the mausoleums. And the royal burial ground, home of the final resting places of Queen Victoria, Prince Albert, and many other members of the royal family. But why was he buried outside? I'm going to guess that was a suggestion from Edward VIII himself. Maybe he wanted, maybe he loved the grounds. He was a king after all. He had a, you know, if you watch on YouTube, the possession that when he, uh, from Paris to, from France to England, and Prince Charles you know, was standing there with his army or whatever, you know, the royal guards, you know, receiving him. And I mean, he had a possession. Obviously, it wasn't as grandiose as when Queen Elizabeth had passed away, but it was grandiose enough for back then, 1972. And so he had the burial of a king. But a lot of people today criticize, oh, well, he could have been buried inside the, uh, you know, mausoleum, or he could have been buried, 
you know, I think it was a choice, to be honest, but we will never know 100%. Um, yes, the Queen Mum was angry at her brother-in-law for abdicating the throne, but they did resolve it. But the media did not know when it was resolved, and that's when kind of an issue, because families, no matter if you're royal, no matter if you're a you know, regular person, a non-title person, families back in the day, they would talk about it, Yes, they'd be angry, but they learned how to resolve things. They didn't whine so much that you develop so much anger, like you see today on you know social media or like Harry. So you know my point is, if Harry truly knew his family history, and he paid attention, he would have known that about his great great uncle. And Edward the Eighth, I've always been fascinated by him because he was, um, you know, he wasn't the typical I'm angry kind of thing. Yes, of course, he was angry at. Baldwin, in one of the interviews, he talked about Churchill. He says, oh, Churchill and I were good friends. When he said that in the interview, it was a German interview. And it was quite interesting if you listen to it. Because when you think about Edward VIII and Walt Simpson, well, and there is footage where he goes to Germany and he meets the evil uh, uh, dictator. You know what I'm talking about. The evil doer, we shall never say his name. Um, and he didn't go there just to meet him and go, oh, my gosh, I'm meeting the, the, you know, the, the guy who wants to kill people. And this was in 1930s when he met the evildoer. He didn't go there for that. He didn't go there for a party like it's 1999. He went there because of more likely the prime minister suggested he should go there or his own brother, the king. So it was a business trip. But the video itself talks about, well, Edward wanted to get popular again. The reality of it is, yes, you do miss that popularity, which I'm sure Harry misses it. But it was more for work. Because I don't think, I think he's regretted that. In fact, I do believe there is something in one of Edward VIII's uh, books, I think his bio- autobiography that he had a, he wrote with a ghostwriter, that did talk about, I think he is small aspect, like that was a regret a lot of people had. But, you know, the king couldn't, of England could not visit. And, uh, you know, the prime minister could not visit. So the, he was basically the ambassador at that time to go and visit the evildoer. And they had this huge parade and all, you know, just like anyone with anyone famous visiting, you know, they're going to put all the stops out because someone important, this man, a big kid thrown for his love. But there was, it wasn't because of all the Simpson. That was part of it. He could have married her. There could have been a loophole. He tried to, but the problem was the prime minister, Mr. Baldwin, put a stop to that because he did not like Edward. I think if the prime minister was Churchill, he would have married Wallace Simpson and still be king. So I want you all to remember that, how history is distorted because of media. All right, so we got that topic talked about. But Harry's been, you know, it's not Harry is is harping about that. That's the ghostwriter. And that's the frustration about ghostwriters. You're paying a lot of money for a ghostwriter to write your story, to help write it. And you are the person, in this case, Harry. Harry should have read every word written and she said let me go research and make sure this is accurate and he i don't think harry did much of that because so far that is a frustration it's also a very inaccurate part of history and that man was very important in history edward the eighth and we should always remember he actually did very good things edward the eighth was also we should also know he was the first celebrity prince and what do i mean by celebrity prince he was the first prince that the media had a field day with, long before Charles and, and William and Harry. And what's interesting is he was the first Prince of Wales to play polo, like a celebrity. Edward VII was the first Prince of Wales to play polo on the grounds of England. But Edward VIII was the first Prince of Wales to play polo for charity 
in a celebrity scale, like Prince Charles, like William, like Harry, and so forth. And it was funny, not funny, but historically speaking, when Edward VIII, when he was Prince of Wales, he had there was a Prince Harry back then, Henry they called him, and um, it's it, you know you talk about all the old um, all the old article about um, about Prince Henry, so it's a very common name, isn't it? So um, it's Prince Henry Glu, uh, sorry Prince Harry. Oh my gosh, my English, Prince Harry, Duke of Gloucester. And um, Henry's brother, Edward VIII, so this was his brother. And Duke of Gloucester, I believe, was, um, he was a very good looking fellow, looking him up right now. And uh, he died in 1974. And he was, I think he was close to Prince Charles. And let's think about Edward VIII more likely was close to Prince Charles as well. So he wasn't, you know, um, written off from the royal family to never speak to him. He did. He was close and they probably talked on the telephone. They probably did visit each other. It just wasn't known by the media. So just remember, the media only has a small window of what really went on. And I'm sure if we went into, you know, the, the palace and went to their historical uh, family history uh, library, you'd find diaries which would talk more about, yes, Edward did visit. They did have, you know, back and forth communication. In fact, historically speaking, which another, you know, podcast I should talk about, how wrong history has been to King Leopold II of Belgium. Speaking of, his father, King Leopold I of Belgium, almost became King of England. So history would have changed even then, long before Queen Victoria. And uh, the story was Leopold I married Princess Charlotte. She died after giving uh, birth, died during childbirth, sorry. They had a baby, the baby died, and she died not long after. And he was uh, later on offered the uh, Greek crown, and he said, oh, no. And then he was offered... Belgium, a newly formed country. And the reason why that's important, because the British um, Parliament did not want Leopold I. Remember, Leopold I was um, voted in. So he's like the first, you know, Belgium was called Little America. Let's talk about that. And he, and the, the Parliament did not want Leopold I to have any political power because a monarch should not be involved in politics. And Leopold I is like, screw you all. I'm going to make a great country. And he did. He was the first country to really establish railroads in the inland country. And uh, people were freaking out. And he's like, you know what? We're going to better this country. He was the first king to realize that Jews belong. We're, we're, you know, Jews are have the same freedom as a Christian, as a Muslim. Belgium was a safe haven for Jews. And that pissed off the evildoer, Adolf Hitler, who fought in World War One in Ostend, or Ostend, Belgium, which was a very wealthy, um, and we call it, uh, resort. And it was destroyed partly in World War One and later in World War Two. And the reason why I'm mentioning that, because my Jewish ancestors came from Ostend and um, unfortunately were died, most of them died from um, the Holocaust. So that's another story to talk about. And I had to research that because I, I never knew because uh, my great-great-grandmother, born in 1880, came to America. Um, she was adopted by a Catholic family and raised Catholic, except there's no birth record of her. But her parents were Jewish, and we know her mom's name because my great-great-grandmother named her daughter after her mother. Interesting. And my daughter's named after my Jewish relative. All right, so... Anyways, my lovely, so let's, you know, I just wanted to really talk about Edward VIII. I feel like giving him a proper factual history. And um, that's really all I want to say. And uh, there was another thing. It was bothering me. Oh, 
Yes, and this is how social media does this telephone game, this bullshit telephone game, talking about um, Diana's alleged affair with James Hewlett. And Harry brought that in there. And, uh, you know, again, a lot, these are Harry's feelings, and I get that. But um, I do want to talk about that James Hewlett is not Harry's father. I want to understand that Harry is Charles' father. He looks just like his grandfather, the Duke of Edinburgh. And in fact, James Hewlett did finally goes, dude, I'm just going to speak up. I'm tired of this BS. And it's just, he's so frustrated about hearing this. Um, but yes, it says on there, the royals were never openly discussed the theory about Harry's parentage, which developed after it was revealed Diana had a five-year affair with Hewlett in the 1980s. The rumor going around at the time that my real father was one of my mother's ex-lovers, Major James Hewitt. Prince Harry writes in the leaked book, one cause of the rumor was Major Hewitt's red hair, but another was sadism. Tablet readers loved the idea of Prince Charles' youngest son was not Prince Charles' son. They never got tired of the joke for some reason. And that was an awful joke. I mean, you might well agree. But I happened to see on TikTok that someone goes, oh my God, they are related. So let's talk about this further. The Duke of Sussex wonders whether this rumor was used to paint him as a laughing stalk, noting that it didn't seem to matter that his mum hadn't met Major Hewlett until long after I was born, which is the actual factual thing. Diana did not know Hewitt during time, you know, when Harry was conceived or born. So he is Charles's son, no doubt. And then uh, Harry claims that sections of the media went as far as hunting my DNA to verify, which is an accurate thing. Um... I know about that because that was in the news. Someone, uh, it was talked about, I believe, in Daily Mail many years ago, and you could search for it, where someone took a tissue from a rubbish bin and tried to verify DNA. It was very sick what the media has done, and I agree. Remarking that he believed after torturing his mom, late, the late Princess Diana, until hiding that soon they would come for me. Anyways, retired British Army Captain Hewitt penned two books about his affair with Diana during the, her marriage to Prince Charles, further attempting to sell the love letters he exchanged with the princess. The pair met at a party in 1986, and Hewitt went on to help Diana overcome her fear of horse riding as her instructor. The former major has undressed the rumor surrounding Harry's paternity, paternity himself, remarking in a 20 2002 interview with the Sunday Mirror that there is really no possibility whatsoever that I am Harry's father. Harry was already walking by the time my relationship with Diana had begun. And this is, uh, Harry said in this book, Spare, he recalls one occasion Charles once jokingly questioned whether he was Harry's father. And uh, he claims the joke was in poor taste on the account of the rumors that were circulating regarding his mom, Diana and Hewitt. So, you know, and I understand that. And, of course, Harry opens up about losing his virginity to an older woman behind a pub doing cocaine as a teenager. Sorry, I just remembering a, a, a house party I went to with one of uh, William and Harry's mates. And there was a snow there. And that's another story I'll talk to in another time. Uh, to feel different, and that's why he did it. And then he apparently had killed 25 people in Afghanistan. I mean, the story seems quite interesting, um, but I'm curious what he's going to say about the opening of the Children's Center. Because I know for a fact, Harry was a little sad. His brother and sister-in-law and his father could not make it. 
So, um, because it was a huge accomplishment for Harry. And again, I always will talk positivity about Santa Ballet because it was Harry's firstborn. And I will constantly promote it and constantly say it was a wonderful thing Harry had done. I've always been supportive of Harry of Santa Ballet. All right, my lovelies, I hope you have a lovely day today. Until next topic, and we will talk more about his book when it comes out Tuesday. We'll possibly review it Wednesday. We'll see because I will read it. Uh, probably the Kindle version, of course, because I want to know a couple of things that uh, some events that I had been to when he, with Harry, part of being a polar girl and also part of being a patron. And I want to see if he did write about that, which I'm assuming that he is. I could be wrong, and I hope I am. And I will talk about my recollection, recollection, uh, my memory, I can't remember the word, about that. All right, my lovies, have a lovely day. Goodbye.